0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Hearts Ablaze. Today we are so excited to be joined by my twin sister, Katie Walter. Katie is going to join us for a powerful discussion about her journey with faith and motherhood through both unexpected pregnancy and miscarriage. If you are someone you know has experienced miscarriage, this episode may be difficult to listen to, so please prayerfully discern what is best for your heart before you listen. Katie is also going to share a bit about her love story with her and her husband Andrew, as well as her experience as an armor officer in the US Army and her inspiration to get certified in pregnancy and postpartum athleticism training. This is really a special episode, and we hope that it blesses you today.
1: Thanks. <laughs> OK, so for everyone who can't see you because they're not on Zoom, Katie just got her hair cut and she looks exactly like Mrs. McCurry like blonde.
0: oh yeah my no, mom oh, is yeah. like one of the most beautiful people I know so no so it's like oh my compliment. gosh I'm becoming my mother and I'm like yes I'm becoming my mother <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's wild
1: wow you this hair looks great too thank you uh, I got thanks. the Dyson air dryer for Christmas and Ooh. by I got it for myself for Christmas and this is like day three hair so oh
2: seriously that's awesome
1: yeah, I, yeah, it's fantastic.
2: Don't make me miss my long hair yet. Oh,
1: well, the Dyson also works on short hair, so.
0: Ooh, nice. I think I could
2: do a little curl with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just showered and then my headphones make my hair like hang back like a lion's mane, so it's kind of.
2: I was gonna say it looks almost like you have a blowout, you know. It's (laughs) fine.
0: Thanks, I appreciate that. Never gotten a blowout, but Something I could do someday. Hello,
1: everybody. (laughs) Welcome to Hearts Ablaze. Today we are interviewing uh Katie. How do we say do people say like Katie Nay McCurry
2: Walter? I don't know. I don't know. I always just say Katie Walter, maiden name McCurry, but Yeah, there we go. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, since I don't go by my first name, so. I introduced myself as Katie Walter to my unit, but then had to explain to people that they would find my email at Francis McCurry. And my platoon sergeant told me I should start laundering money. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. it's Like cool, 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 shoo, shoo, shoo. cool, 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 cool. We no love doubt, no, doubt,
0: no doubt supportive NCOs. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So um, Katie, I'm not sure that's
1: what like people in this current culture mean by a side hustle for moms.
2: Right? Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> it's better than MLMs,
2: right?
1: Oh, Sorry. <laughs> no, basically the same thing. Sorry yeah. for all of you who are. Talk to us later. <laughs> you want to yeah. get out?
2: We have separate rant about that. I just,
1: that's a that's a different podcast, Katie. Sure. Also, okay. we forgot to pray again. Yeah. We can do that really
0: quick while Katie's pulling I up now. Walk, Katie's Pulling it up.
1: Okay. And father, son, and Holy spirit, amen. Blessed Carlos tech guy, pray for us. Um, hi Jesus. Thank you for uh, this Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity that all of us get to go to mass and thank you that we get to talk on this podcast to share more about you um, and what you've done in our lives. We ask that you bless this conversation that you send your Holy spirit to speak through us um, and that you become a part of this conversation and that you give us the words to say to encourage your your daughters, um, the women in our lives, to be more virtuous, be more holy, and to love you with their entire hearts. Saint Catherine of Siena and Saint Joan of Arc, pray for us. Pray for us.
0: Okay. Also, did you guys know that Saint Catherine of Siena was a twin? Because yeah, I did What? Yeah, yep. she had a twin a sister twin who twin. died when she was sixteen. And that yeah. was, like, why she was being pressured into marriage. She was being pressured into marrying her sister's widower. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, me all neither. From- so literally all oh, of us have that oh. connection with her.
1: It's wow. true. Guys, also, I've decided my twin was a brother. I feel it. Cool. He doesn't have a name,
2: but we're calling it. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. and Dominic.
0: Oh. <laughs> okay. It's fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's
1: fine okay and action okay
0: yeah so I know on our very first episode I went into my faith background and yours is going to be kind of similar but just you know so our v- listeners can get to know you a little bit better just yeah, share I'm a little bit viewers. about it. I know I almost said viewers we're not a video <laughs> podcast just audio so okay. I can wear my pajamas <laughs>
2: So, okay, so my faith background, um, similar to Mary, I was a cradle Catholic and, you know, our family was, you know, I mean, we were practicing, but we weren't like super showy about our faith. I mean, it was like mom would point out Christ figures to us in Disney movies, but we wouldn't gather around for a nightly family rosary or anything like it was more like, Right. It was more like later in high school and really in college through the influence of our focus missionaries that I like invested in my faith and started like voluntarily going to extra sacraments like confession and stuff, um, studying scripture and stuff like that. Um, I don't think I've actually been as good about, you know, receiving the sacraments as as often and Um studying as much scripture and everything since leaving college. Um, his schedule's been kind of crazy. Uh just had a baby, but um doing my you know, casually.
1: She's guys, she's like, I'm sorry, I am not a scripture scholar. I've just gotten married and I have a child and I'm in
2: the army. Like you're 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 we 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 do our best. I um, like 50 days behind on the bible in a year podcast but i listen to it when i can so if you binge yeah.
0: listen you can take care of that in like five days so yeah, you exactly. know that's what speaking, i can speaking from experience mary <laughs> no maybe <laughs> possibly yes um well no but actually yes uh <laughs> what what does uh a typical day in your life look like katie
2: yeah. So that's like a funny question. Cause right now is definitely not typical. So I'm on maternity leave, um, from my army job right now. So after you have a baby in the army, you get basically 12 weeks of leave to stay home and both heal from t- pushing a human out of you. And then also <laughs> take care of that human. So, uh, yeah, right now it's not typical, but, um, Basically, right, my schedule right now looks like feeding the baby every two to three hours, changing diapers, putting her down for naps, and then trying to find time for chores, exercise, and completing my virtual pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coaching certification in between all of that. So, wow,
1: that's super cool. What uh, program are you doing
2: that from? Um, So it's through Brianna Battles. She has a program. Um, I mean, it's called Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. Um, okay. And so, uh, what we can link it in the show notes, but yeah, um, totally. Yeah, it it's been fantastic so far. I'm learning so much, you know, about my body. Even like I thought I had a pretty good grip on my body after like learning NFP and like doing this certification. I'm like, whoa, there are so many muscles that I did (laughs) not know existed, and like now I actually have names for all of them. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to being able to share that knowledge once I complete the certification, so pretty cool. But when I go back to work in five weeks, my schedule will look something like I'm getting up around 4.30 in the morning to nurse the baby and put her back to sleep and then go to PT from 6 a.m. to 7.30, Um, come home after that and around eight o'clock, have breakfast, shower, kiss the baby and my husband goodbye, and then go to work from 9 a.m. to 5.30 or 6. Um, Between 6 and 7, hopefully get some time for some more personal PT at the gym or at home. I may or may not be able to do that every day. We'll see how busy my new job is. Um, Then 7.30 at night, nurse the baby, give her a bath, put her to bed, and then after that have dinner, maybe watch a TV show with my husband, and pump again before bed, say prayers, and go to sleep around 10 30 so
0: so wow. pretty relaxed not too yeah, long yeah. On. <laughs> lots, of,
2: lots of
1: time for that extra scripture study you were talking about yeah right exactly
0: so. yikes yeah so katie what what's something special about you that you bring to the body of
2: christ or that god uses in kind of a unique way Yeah, so I couldn't think of one thing, but I think that's kind of the unique thing in and of itself is these diverse passions, right? So I kind of identify as like a girly girl. I was a cheerleader in high school, that stuff. But I also like doing really hard, gritty tasks, you know, sleeping in the field, getting dirty and greasy, working on tanks and stuff like that. So just kind of like those opposing passions. And then like, I'm also like an academic nerd, like I was huge in international relations, just... I'll, I'll stay away from politics here but suffice it to say i competed on the model united nations team in college so that's the level of nerd that we're talking about Then, <laughs> yeah. like as soon as i set foot in a gym i turn into a total meathead and i want to throw around heavy weights and stuff like that so yeah just kind of like a lot of different interests <laughs> and things that um you know you wouldn't typically picture in one person i guess
0: Yeah, and I think that God does use that because that gives other people permission. You know, I talked about how I really felt put into a box, people saying, oh, because you're a humanities major, because you have an artistic or like musical personality, you can't um, enjoy STEM things or enjoy, you know, working on helicopters and flying them. And I think that, you know, having you obviously as my sister, my Twinkie, uh, kind of, Setting that example for me was really cool, and you gave me permission to kind of pursue things I was passionate about, even if they seemed diametrically opposed. So foes, Oppose, even yeah, <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Katie, how has God surprised you by your calling and/or your vocation?
2: Okay, so I know we have some feelings about these classifications but I'll start with my quote-unquote big v vocation um so marriage um I you know was pretty sure I was called to marriage but I did not think that the first time when I dated Andrew Walter when I was 15 years old that I was gonna end up marrying him you know like when they say oh like the Taylor Swift song 15 when somebody tells you they love you you're gonna believe them I was like ew he loves me like (laughs) and like (laughs) let's move oh, 3000 no. miles away and never talk to him again like uh, oh
1: my god <laughs> um, he knows this so when he listens he's not going to be shocked y'all
2: but oh yeah yeah oh, he, he could, could tell the same story so <laughs> um so yeah uh, to back it up a little bit we met when we were 9 years old um my dad would still is active duty army but he was stationed he got stationed in Alaska when i was 9 years old um andrew's family lived in Alaska they're not in the army or anything um so i just met him at a little tiny catholic k-12 through school uh, in fairbanks alaska when i was nine years old um so we were friends through elementary middle school and then dated a little bit freshman year of high school you know how you date freshman year of high school how like your mom drives you to a movie in the minivan and then you both go home and that's it um, yeah it was like that so uh, we dated a little bit and then um, my dad got stationed in Pennsylvania so you know what I don't have the math in front of me but like some three thousand some odd miles away and so I said okay well goodbye we'll see you never um, and yeah we so we we did keep in touch a little bit um, through the rest of like high school but nothing you know we, I, I would hesitate to say we were even like really close friends. Um, it was more just like our families knew each other. So we'd say, Oh, Merry Christmas, that kind of thing. Um, then, so then we dated different people in high school, college, et cetera. Um, and then later on in college, we had a military ball, uh, my junior year of college and I was not dating anyone at the time. And so I invited him to that ball, uh, as friends, it's kind of like you heard Mary's story. Um, I was going to say, there are similarities (laughs) with the whole, Um, let's invite a guy to a dance as friends. Right. I was like, oh, I haven't seen him for six years and I'll invite him to this thing. And then I never have to see him again. Um, But God had different plans. And when he got to New York, he'd he'd gotten a lot more handsome than I remembered. So uh, we ended up doing the distance relationship thing after that. And yeah. Um, and one thing, like, I think a big reason I knew it was right with Andrew when we did reconnect in college, just because like, he already knew everything about me, like everything he'd seen me in braces. Um, and he still wanted to be with me. And I hadn't really felt that way in like my other adult relationships. I always felt like I had to put on a little bit of like, a I don't know, make myself more impressive than I, felt like I was well Um, and
0: he was like really like secure he wasn't intimidated by the fact that you want to branch combat arms and do all of these really intense
2: things right Right. I experienced a little bit of that in some of my relationships just some pushback when I thought when I brought up oh I think I want to study abroad or I think I want to branch combat arms I think I want to be in the military for a long time still debating on that one but um you know just throwing those things out there I had some kind of pushback in some other relationships versus Andrew was so supportive of like all those dreams and said wow that sounds amazing like go for that um and was just really invested and got excited about my dreams with me Um, so that surprised me in such an awesome way. Like it was like, I couldn't scare him away no matter how big I dreamed. So that was, um, that was awesome.
0: Yeah. And And then tell us a little bit about why you decided to branch armor and how maybe that was like a bit of a surprise, but also something you found like God had made you
2: for. Yeah, totally. So going to the Quote unquote little V vocation um, with the army and branching armor. Uh, so at West Point, I initially thought I was going to branch aviation like Mary and fly helicopters, mostly because my dad had done it and it was what I was comfortable with. And to be honest, helicopters are really cool. But I actually got a back injury during a parachute jump. Um, I went to airborne, like paratrooper school while I was at West Point. Um, and I graduated the school, but while I was there during one of my jobs was a little had a little bit of a rough landing and ended up herniating a couple of discs in my back. So I'm totally good now. Like it doesn't impair me in any way, but because that was on my record, it disqualified me during my flight physical. So yeah, the
0: aviation medical application process is pretty intense. So yeah. I mean now like, it's just your, like, your
2: back hurt. isn't strong enough to take the stress of being in a helicopter all the time but being in a tank is totally fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean I was gonna say it's like it's like a land helicopter
2: yeah basically yeah yeah no (laughs) it's not at all (laughs) so um when I was at West Point I would considered the combat arms branches so for anyone who doesn't know um the infantry and armor branches kind of considered like the direct combat arms um were excluded to women like women couldn't branch infantry or armor until January of 2016 was when the direct combat exclusion was repealed and so that was my freshman year at school so when I first went to West Point women couldn't even go these branches and then my freshman year they said just kidding women can go these branches because we realized that that was a dumb policy um so I'd considered those, but I was a little bit afraid of being like a trailblazer, like being one of the first, like, even though there are a few women who'd gone before me, I still, I was a little bit antsy about being that way. Um, I was scared of being criticized, like not being good enough. You know, we talk about imposter syndrome, my Brene Brown folks, what up? Um, and I was just scared that people would say that I just did it so that I could be one of the first, you know, I didn't really want to go armor. I just wanted to sound cool. And so, you know, listening to those like silly mental lies or whatever that we tell ourselves when we're doing something that scares us, um, you know, I was, I was kind of nervous to think about branching combat arms, even though I think I really wanted to, um, and not just for those reasons. So once I got over that, once I was like, okay, I can't let those fears or those, you know, silly maybes hold me back. Um, I decided to take the leap in branch armor because, in my heart of hearts, like I really do think that tanks and cavalry are like super badass. Like, am I allowed to say that on this? Yeah. Oh okay. so, yeah. yeah. And it is the best decision I ever made, except for marrying my husband. Um, you know, like so. Yeah. Just I loved being on tanks during basic officer course. And now being in a cavalry unit, which does like scouting, reconnaissance missions, um, like that is just so much fun and like such a cool mission. And I just feel so much like I'm where I belong. And I'm glad that I overcame those fears and jumped for that, even though it definitely surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we'll
0: kind of get into our main topic for today now. Tell us about something
2: you wish we talked more about in the church community. So, and and these are somewhat different issues, but kind of all related. I think it's we we don't talk about how common um, infertility, miscarriage, and unexpected pregnancy all are. So, you know, in the like we don't really talk about that in the church because you know we're all. So focus on the goodness that is children and everything, but we don't talk about what a bumpy road it can be to get there or that it can be to have children. Um, So like so many people have fewer children than they want due to circumstances that are like far beyond their control or they've had to mournfully discern avoiding having children for certain periods of time and that can be due to, like, physical but also mental and emotional health issues or great financial stress, career considerations, like, other serious factors. And so this, like, friendly competition among Catholics regarding who can have the most kids can, like, actually really hurt, um, and we don't talk about that, you know? Um, yeah, I know.
0: yeah, I was going to say in one of our more recent episodes, we talked with our guest, Amanda Heider, about how the image of like true Christian parenthood is the Pieta because it acknowledges ultimately we are not in control and our children are not our own and so that's why it can be a little bit bothersome when people talk about having a lot of kids as being the sign of a good Catholic family because it assumes this level of control that doesn't actually exist and granted like I've done it too like when I tell people oh we're from a family with six kids I'll say like oh we're a good Catholic family kind of as a joke then I think back and 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 I realize that could sound kind of hurtful because like for example my husband is one of two kids and his parents are extremely devout I've had like some of my deepest conversations about Catholicism with uh, my father-in-law and also focusing on the six kids here on earth ignores the six siblings that we have in heaven. And I'm really grateful that our mom was open with us about that growing up so that we did know that miscarriage was common and that those babies' lives had meaning their love. and they're loved. And so, you know, we can have grace with people and understand they're just kind of repeating cultural phrases and like we do it too, but it's just something to be aware of. And I also had a friend um, kind of help me reframe my mindset with this by telling me that, Like marriage and children are blessings and not goals. And Mm -hmm. I love that because it still honors the dignity and the gift of that life. But it puts us in this posture of receiving instead
2: of grasping. Yes, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, the other on the other side of that, you know, sometimes we receive things unexpectedly. So, you know, another thing we don't talk about is like unexpected pregnancy in the Catholic church and how like, you know, as much as we want to emphasize the joy that is a new life and everything, like the true pain or even grief that can sometimes come with an unexpected pregnancy, um, because there are so many things that you have to sacrifice. You know, I wish we made more of a safe space for people to say, like, I really wasn't prepared for this, or I'm really scared about this, whether it's for any of those, reasons that people tend to avoid pregnancy like health issues finances career stress or perhaps because of previous loss um you know we really need to make room for people to express complex emotions regarding pregnancy and not just force this you know well you can only feel happy about this you're only allowed to feel happy like that's not okay not true like yes life is a blessing but we can still feel anxiety and stress over unexpected pregnancy and like, and still acknowledge the existence of that new life. That is an inherent good. Like they, they don't have to be mutually exclusive.
0: Right. And there's a difference between happiness and joy because like joy is a choice, but you can't necessarily control your emotional response to something. Um, I, you know, when, when you first shared with me that you were pregnant with Rory, I was also kind of scared and upset for you, to be honest. Um, and I wasn't proud that that was my reaction, especially looking at her now, like she's my goddaughter, I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm so happy you're here. Like I just want to smell your little head and give you kisses. But, um, but yeah, I think definitely making a space for that. And I think that's something that has been really great. Um, that has, uh, resulted from you being open about your first pregnancy with Jane. Um, I know many people were profoundly moved by your Good Friday post following her passing. Um, Can you tell us about her and your experience of loving her and grieving her and how that's kind of shaped your faith in your motherhood?
2: Yeah, so um, Jane really drew I mean, she, you know, helped me to lean on my faith, but also helped me and my husband to grow in our faith together. So I love Jane so much. Um, she, So I found out I was pregnant in February of 2020 um, and was expecting in an October uh, and then went through a miscarriage in early April, um, so at 13 weeks gestation. Um so, and that was right during Triduum of 2020. So, it put this in context, COVID started, you know, the second week of March 2020. When I say COVID started, you know, all the lockdowns in America started everything. Um, and then it was like a month later, less than a month later and three weeks later, I found out that I was miscarrying. Um, so, starting on you know and i miscarried starting really on holy thursday and going through good friday into holy saturday and you know it was just me and my husband i actually i was by myself at my appointment because he couldn't come because of covid um when they told me hey your baby has no heartbeat um which i'd heard the heartbeat before too so that was to go from hearing it and everything's okay and she's perfect to she's gone um was so hard and then having to call my husband on the phone and tell him that um yeah that was like the hardest thing I have had to do so um it was just me and him at our house as we went through this because the COVID pandemic had just started all travel was shut down my mom wanted to fly out to be with me but she couldn't because there were no flights so it was just us and going through that experience during that time um, you know, on the one hand, I'd never felt closer to our blessed mother, like as she watched Jesus be crucified. Um, you know, I remember being actually mad and thinking like, well, at least Mary got 33 years of Jesus. Like I never even got to hold my baby here on earth. Like you have tough thoughts during these times. So it's, yeah. you know, it's not fair and that kind of stuff. Um, and we watched, um, we watched the passion of the Christ. And I'm, I remember watching, Mother Mary cry over Jesus's broken body the same way I was, you know, crying in the bathtub at 3 a.m. on Good Friday. Um, And it was so hard, like somehow. I I think just through the grace of people praying for me throughout that process, I never really felt like my faith in God was shaken. I felt like it wasn't fair and I yelled at God a lot and I asked him why, but I didn't really doubt that he was there, which almost made it harder because I was like, I know you're there why aren't you listening? You know, why, why is this happening? Um, I just want to know why. And that's hard because there's not a good answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember um,
0: reading C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed and he says something like, there's nothing to do with suffering except to suffer it.
2: Yeah. Like you can't really make, rhyme or reason I mean, you know, people will be like everything happens for a reason or like don't worry like God has a plan for this and I was like you know don't you dare tell me God's plan was for my baby to die like you know that just it's it's really hard and you, you just there's some things that are okay to say to people and not in those situations and so yeah just being there is the best but which is what my husband did right like he was just so there for me, you know, Um, and I could see how much it hurt him to see me hurting like this. And, you know, he was losing his baby too. And it was, it was awful, Um, but it did force us to really lean on each other during that time. Um, We actually, you know, marathoned The Bachelorette on Amazon because I needed something stupid to watch to distract me from kind of the pain. but we also we prayed a lot, you know, probably more than we'd ever prayed in our marriage, you know. Which is, you know, you can kind of be like, oh, you know, we only turn to God and we need things from it, you know, not entirely true, but um, definitely was a time when we had to lean on God because so we had <laughs> nothing else, um, and so that added depth to our prayer life as a couple and our relationship and everything actually laid like such a strong foundation for us for the future um so you know even in that you know we talk about our children sanctifying us and it's like even in that like jane helped us be holier you know so Mm -hmm. so that, that that was kind of the you know the faith side of that and then as we laid that foundation transitioning forward to motherhood um when i found out I was pregnant with my second pregnancy, um, you know, the, and I'll, I'll walk it back a little bit. So we lost Jane in early April. And then, you know, I went back to, we started coming to work a little bit in person and everything again in May. Um, and I worked over the summer, was assigned a kind of a big project at work and did pretty well with that. So my boss called me and said, hey, I wanna give you a tank platoon. This was the first week in August said, hey, I want to give you a tank platoon. And I was like, yes, this is so exciting. You know, Andrew and I had kind of discerned that since we were still kind of mentally and emotionally hurting from the loss of Jane, um, maybe we should avoid having children for a while. And so I was super excited to start this new position at my job. Um, And I was like, yes. So this was on a Thursday in early August. And then that Saturday I got home and I was looking at my calendar. I was like, hang on a second uh and I went and I was like well let's let's get a pregnancy test just to be safe. <laughs> you know like I didn't I was like there's there's no way I'm pregnant there's like, no way wow. yeah like but it's there was- fine and so took it the test and sure enough you know the little positive line showed up before even the control line started to show up and I went downstairs and Andrew was like standing at the stove cooking And he started talking to me before I even came in the room. He was telling me about cars or something. And, you know, I just kind of let him, let him ramble. And I'm standing there with the pregnancy test. He has his back to me. And he asked me a question I didn't answer. And so he turned around and I like just held out the test. And he said, oh, and I just burst into tears. And I was, because like, like I was talking about with this unexpected pregnancy, you know, I was like, we were still mentally and emotionally raw from the, our loss just three months before. And mm-hmm. I was just about to take this really new, exciting position at work, which like newsflash, you can't command tanks pregnant. So I was like, great. Now I'm going to have to go tell my boss that I can't do this job. because of this pregnancy that I don't even know is going to work out. Maybe I'm just going to lose this one too. Like I was so upset.
1: Um, yeah. And, yeah. And you, you
0: know, had made, a like career related sacrifice for Jane as well right which is why like part of why it was so difficult to lose her
2: yeah exactly um so i sacrificed not gone to the reconnaissance course because I found out I was pregnant with her which you know I, w- I was kind of prepared with because at that point we were like well if I don't get to do that that's fine like this is kind of a time that we want to maybe have a baby and then when we lost her, we were like, okay, we're not like, we're not ready for another one. So we were, you know, yeah. avoiding pregnancy, but newsflash NFP postpartum is actually really challenging. Um, and I didn't realize that miscarriage would make my body act like a miss, uh, like a postpartum body. So, um, oh. that was something that we learned. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that makes sense, but like, not until someone says it. Right. And so I was like, no, oh, I can just go back to charting like normal. And it was so not exactly the case. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, you know, very unexpected. And I was, you know, I was like, well, I made one sacrifice for a pregnancy and I lost that one. So I felt like I'd failed the army by sacrificing that school. I'd mm-hmm. failed at being a mother. And now I was failing the army again because I couldn't be a platoon leader. And then I was going to fail again, and lose this pregnancy like, and it's just, you know, there's all these lies that we tell ourselves and get wrapped up in our mind about. And so I, and I was just kind of spiraling like that. And Andrew, you know, he just reached out and put his arms around me and held me and let me cry. But after a couple minutes, he just said, Hey, like, can we please find some joy in this? And, you know, I was like God bless this man. <laughs> but you know, and, and I was like, well, of course, like, cause there was nothing that I wanted more in the world than a baby, but I was just so scared. Um, so, you know, it, it, that was really hard. And so we, we built up that foundation of prayer and everything at this point. And so we started praying in Novena to St. Gerard every night throughout that entire pregnancy. Um, you know, I told my boss that I needed someone else to take the tank platoon. So then I worked on staff, and throughout that entire time we prayed uh asking the intercession of Saint Gerard and we did a consecration to Saint Joseph during the last month of my pregnancy. Um we actually finished it a week after she was born because she arrived three weeks early. So um, yeah, that was, it was ready. She was like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. But again, like I can't stress enough the anxiety and especially yeah. the early part of the pregnancy you know the first 13 weeks i was so anxious and we actually paid for a private ultrasound at 13 weeks just for our peace of mind and when we both like heard her little heartbeat whooshing away we just both started crying um and the rest of the pregnancy was like less stressful but i never really felt safe you know right um, and our prayer life really helped me mentally and emotionally um, as well as spiritually to like combat my fears and trust in God's plan. And now, you know, we have a snuggly little baby and <laughs> as much as like I can complain about the times she gets fussy or poos through an outfit or won't go to sleep, you know, I, I can't get over the love that I feel every time I look at her and kiss her fuzzy little head you know she's just the greatest and yeah I constantly thank God for her and for Andrew who's you know already such a good hashtag girl dad so
0: yeah it's so sweet Andrew's like really into being a girl dad
2: super cute yeah he loves it and it ha- has nothing to do with his love
0: for Kobe R.I.P.
2: but no <laughs> um.
0: I think it has something to do with his love for Kobe but.
1: Some, something yeah <laughs> no, but thank you yeah thank you for sharing that katie we know how like difficult and just being able to like walk through part of it at least with you even though we're all on different parts all in different parts of the country but
2: um yeah you're just you guys michaela and mary were there for me so much like wait can i tell
1: and then prayer and everything katie texted us on that thursday she's like guys i have big news and i texted i was like ah you're pregnant and you were like dot 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 no and then you no, know, I'm taking two, a painful tune. Two days later, you were like, oh guys, I have big news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, but we yeah, it was and thank you. You you also really led us into your grief as well. Um, for Jane and and just thank you so much for letting us be there um, and opening up to us. And thank you for like being on our podcast and sharing your story with other women. Um to, get, to be like, yeah, you're not alone in your suffering. Um, and yeah we're totally here to pray and support you but thank you
2: of course yeah and i mean to, to put it bluntly like one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage they about now some of them people don't even know they're pregnant but right. um but it, that's you know that's the stats and so if we think about how many pregnancies you expect to have in your life it's just yeah. it's it's a lot more common than we make it out to be, and so um, we need to give people a space to grieve like that, and then to also you know allow people to express their anxiety and stress and everything with following pregnancies.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So with kind of creating that community and environment of support, um, you kind of developed a passion for something related. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about? your pregnancy and postpartum athleticism training. Um, I know you told us a little bit about Brianna Battles in the program, but tell us like how you got into that and and why you think you're called to it.
2: Yes, totally. Okay. So I know you guys have already talked to Megan, who's fantastic and like that one of one of my best friends, even though we weren't that close at school, like just our experiences after graduating and in the army as mothers of like bonded us so much. So when I found out I was pregnant again, I actually asked Megan to coach me physically, um, like as, you know, sort of like a personal trainer, um, as a way to combat that anxiety that I was having in early pregnancy, you know, when losing Jane, I, and I think this is pretty common. I really struggled feeling like it was my fault, even though I knew there was nothing I physically did that caused her loss. Um, you just feel that way. It's like, And so I was pretty anxious about working out during this pregnancy and feeling that again, you know. Um, However, like as a soldier, I have to stay fit and in a combat arms branch, I have to stay extra fit. And so like in order to take that mental burden off of me, that emotional burden, I turned to Megan Gephardt um, to coach me. And I knew like as a Catholic female military officer who was also a mother, um and who had this certification i could trust her to guide me in how to stay strong and healthy but also respect my changing body and the growing life inside of it um, and so working with her my you know i talked about like my meathead side in the gym and then my you know, intellectual nerd side and both of those sides have been inspired to bring a greater awareness of pregnancy and postpartum athleticism training to women especially women in tactical professions you know the military fire police EMTs so that they can fully live out their callings both as mothers but also in their careers which require them to be fit yeah so for for all of
0: our listeners who may or may not be in tactical professions may or may not be um married or expecting to become pregnant, what's one takeaway from your walk with pregnancy and postpartum athleticism? And maybe break that into something that does apply to moms or those who expect to become pregnant. Um, And then something that applies to men and non-pregnant women in terms of how they can support and advocate for mothers in tactical professions.
2: Okay. So key takeaway for moms or even anyone who's looking to become pregnant or I mean really anyone but especially you know moms um or people with you know that kind of experience on their radar go see a pelvic floor physical therapist if you don't know what that is look it up but um it's an absolute game changer so you know if you're someone who's either having issues with Leakage of either urine or gas or anything like that. Um, If you have pain with, you know, sexual intercourse or with putting in tampons, if you have um, any kind of prolapse, but even just if you're an athlete, um, knowing how to properly engage and relax your pelvic floor muscles to regulate that intra abdominal pressure appropriately for various athletic tasks is huge, you know, and this is even like for men too. You know, um, your whole core is like a pressure system. And so learning how to properly, you know, regulate that pressure with your pelvic floor. Um, I can't overstate how beneficial that's been for me, not just in like my health as a mother and recovering from birth trauma and stuff like that, but also like as applies to athletic tasks. So go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. So that, that that's for moms and stuff. And then for everyone um, embrace your vulnerability, you know, taking a step back when I was pregnant to focus on like the foundational health and function of my core and pelvic floor has actually helped relieve back problems that I've had for years. So it's been kind of hard for me to accept that, like, I might have to do less than I want to at some times, but when we take the time to focus on our weaknesses and vulnerabilities, we actually build up a stronger foundation that makes us better for the future so many professional athletes who have gone through the pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coaching um, that i'm working on talk about certain movement patterns actually significantly improving from where they were at pre-pregnancy because now they better understand their core and pelvic floor engagement um, and then like to extend that metaphor you know like I'm, I'm not just talking physically here anymore it's when we talk about embracing vulnerabilities so when we look at our weakness you know building a stronger foundation so extending that andrew and i really had to lean on each other and on god during our loss of jane and that made us so much stronger in our marriage our faith and our prayer life throughout my pregnancy with rory and now his parents so when we take that time to really dig into our vulnerability and find where we are weak it actually allows us to become so much stronger for the future you know and if this sounds familiar (laughs) uh it's made me think of um second corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 through 10 and god said to me my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness i rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of christ may dwell within me Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So that whole idea, right? Like when I am weak, then I am strong. But we have to recognize that we're weak, right? Before we really find that strength in God. Um, Because if we just try and push through, ourselves you know we, we end up burning up like we are imperfect beings um we know
0: need- that's the thing i'm sensitive about <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so- Said in Exactly. Voice. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> like and so we up, like, yeah like uh, no i don't want to i don't want to admit that that's- no. <laughs> no! No. But we have to right like that's the only way that we can let god in and let him strengthen us and that's you know that's what we need. And yeah, so that, that's something that I've learned, you know, physically in pregnancy saying like, okay, my core is not where it needs to be right now because it had to make room for a baby. So I can't just go eat a bunch of (laughs) sit-ups. Like I have to build that up and recognize where I'm at and lean on, you know, building up that foundation and leaning on Megan for help. And so, yeah, just, a admitting where we're weak and Mm -hmm. taking the help from other people and then from the lord Um, well and then
1: like in that vulnerability like part of that is saying like okay i am weak here but then accepting the fact that god might not necessarily fix it you know like in this life like i've experienced a lot after like my with my post concussion syndrome you know um where people are like, yeah, embrace like the weakness. Cause when you're weak, then God's strong and it's fine. And then, you know, God will like fix those weaknesses, but it'll like, be all like,
2: better. It'll yeah. be all
0: better. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, the thing is Jesus's glorified body has his scars. No. <laughs> like
2: like we, we, need okay, we need to be reminded of no, that. Wait. but right. follow me yeah. on this. My priest actually said, this. this was super cool. He said, Jesus's glorified body didn't have scars. It had wounds. Wounds. Oh, yeah. wounds, Mary. He was not, like, they weren't, because a scar is healed, right? Like, it's still there, but it's healed. Like, he was actively hurting still. Huh. Like, ah, and so that's, you know, that that really connects to me with, like, the grief and everything. Like, you know, it never, like, goes away. Wow. Um, Yeah. But it can still be glorified, right? Like.
0: Yeah, transfigured, for sure. All right. Awesome yeah, note to end yeah. on. So, we're just going to wrap up with our recommendations for the next couple weeks. Uh, so, Michaela, do you have something? Yes. My
1: recommendation for this week is actually the Oh, hellos. Um, they're a band uh, that started in Texas um, and they are just phenomenal. Like, I guess it's like folk indie is like their genre um but they have a lot of not to be like they have a lot of christian themes but like their music is just good you know like when we talk about like like sometimes like the secular and like the sacred overlap that's definitely their music and like they travel on tour with like a five or six like instrument band so it's not just the two siblings who are like uh Tyler and Maggie, like Tyler's the lead guitar and Maggie just sings, but they have like six other people. Like they have like two basses, two drums, the best fiddler I've ever heard in my life, and like the sound is just so full and gorgeous. And you just go into your car and like blast one of their albums, and it's just oh incredible. Um, yeah, you you
0: introduced me to Dear Wormwood.
1: Which yeah, so is, one of their
0: yeah. one of
1: their albums, um, I think it's their twenty fifteen album. Is actually a like a return letter to Wormwood from like the C.S. L- C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape letters. Um, so they they said they wrote it like it originally started like all right, what if the patient in the Screw Tape letters was like kind of aware of what was happening? And so this is like his reply to Wormwood, um, and it's fantastic. Go listen to all of their stuff, but you are not allowed to listen to their albums on shuffle because each song in their album actually flows into the next song and it's just
0: it's fantastic it's
1: beautiful yeah yeah. it's like the
0: hamilton soundtrack y'all you gotta listen to it in order
1: yes but it's yeah so dear warmwood fantastic album to start with um but it's just they're gorgeous um yeah so that's my recommendation always
0: yeah Okay, so my recommendation is a new book that's out by Meg Hunter-Kilmer. It's called Saints Around the World, and it's technically a children's book, but I want one. I'm probably going to order one for myself. Uh, It features 100 saints from, I believe, 73 different countries. Um, Here in the bio, she says in this book, there are scared saints, brilliant saints, weak saints adventurous saints abused saints overjoyed saints disabled saints and the point of every one of them is the love of god whether you're checking them out to find saints who look like you or perusing the extensive indices to find saints with your skills or struggles you'll find countless stories in this book that remind you how very possible holiness is so i'm super excited i remember i got katie's daughter rory one of the little uh, children's blocks that is like related to this book. It's of St. Josephine Bakita and it's super cute because Rory's middle name is Josephine. Um, so yeah, it's it's beautiful. The artwork is beautiful. And Meg Hunter Kilmer is like an up and coming St. Hagiographer. So it's it's just really cool to see her storytelling skills put to uh, put on display here in this beautiful piece of art. So.
1: She actually came to West Point in 2015, 2014. Yeah, right before <laughs> yeah, we
2: were there. I yeah, know. I was, was like, crazy. I was mad that I missed it. Yeah, she. You know, really you know, she's friends with my mother-in-law. What? She and Patty Walter are like BFFs. That's that's wild. I
1: also found her randomly at Catholic Underground. You know, when like back in the day when you could still go to things as yeah, the stranger. in the yeah. before times. Yeah, the be- the before times. yeah just like randomly in like this church when we were doing Catholic Underground in New York City and I was like it's Meg Hunter Kilmer and like stopped breathing yeah (laughs) anyway she's great absolute legend absolute legend all right Katie what is your recommendation for the week
2: okay uh well I mean I have to throw out there like follow at Arms to the Heart or whatever it is we'll link it in the show notes um that's Megan's um (laughs) uh tactical athlete program like oh. mm-hmm. yeah we linked that in her episode
0: but we can definitely link it again for
2: people yeah, who are see, interested there's so much um there's so much goodness um she shares a lot about that you know the blessings of being a mother and then um the challenges of being a tactical athlete and a mother and like how we can overcome those and how we can support women i mean she's really she's doing such good pro-life work um through supporting women in the military in this way um so definitely recommend giving her a follow and then um but my non you know advertising recommendation is uh, read um dare to lead by Brene Brown which I admittedly have not finished yet but she talks a lot about leading through vulnerability um kind of related to some of this stuff that I was talking about um in this episode and it's just so good she has such fire quotes um and yeah. I mean, she's, she just talks about, and not, not like fake vulnerability too, where it's like, my life is so hard. Therefore I'm an inspirational leader or like, you know, <laughs> but you no, know, like well, like, authentically, like okay. admitting when we're not sure about something, but also like reassuring our team that like we will work through it right. together.
1: Well, and then um, the difference between like vulnerability and transparency so like, instead of just saying like transparency is more like these things are happening, but like vulnerability is like, these things are happening and this is how it's affecting me. But then this is how, like, I want to know how it's affecting you and let's talk about it. Whereas transparency, <laughs> it's just kind of like, here's what's going on. Um, and I yeah, think that's a, about, like, wait, important distinction. She talks about like
2: containerizing and kind of creating safe spaces for people to express emotions so that, yeah. that can be out in the open, and you can address those and make people feel more secure moving forward and um, finding solutions to things. And yeah, kind totally of saying that right. well, what do you need from me? Um, so yeah, d- just can't recommend it enough, if, especially if you're in a leadership position. Like I'm reading it because I'm about to take a platoon, and so I thought it would be kind of a good you know exercise in leadership. And yeah, can't can't recommend it enough. But we're all leaders in some way, right? Whether you're you know a parent or you know a teacher or something like that. So. Just, yeah, um, can't recommend it enough. Yeah, so that's Dare to Lead, Renee Brown. Yeah. All right, so
0: we'll link to all of these things in the show notes. Um, thanks so much for being on, Katie, for sharing um, as usual with your awesome vulnerability, um, but also the strength that really comes through um, with that. So we had a great time talking. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to you again probably later today. <laughs> Yes.
2: We'll definitely
0: talk later.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I have to go get the baby ready for church though. Yeah,
0: Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. We love you. With
2: Rory
1: a kiss from us. Bye. Bye. No, we love you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.